Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey guys, before we get to this week's show, I wanted to remind you that in this holiday season, we can't forget those less fortunate than us. And here at Somewhere in the Skies, I am running an event I did last year as well. For anyone who purchases merchandise from the official Somewhere in the Skies store or purchases my book, Somewhere in the Skies, A Human Approach to an Alien Phenomenon, 25% of the proceeds will be donated to the Women's Refugee Commission. There are currently almost 60 million refugees worldwide who have been displaced by conflict. The Women's Refugee Commission improves the lives and protects the rights of women, children, and youth who suffer this displacement. The commission also researches their needs, identifies solutions, and advocates for programs and policies to strengthen their resilience and drive change in humanitarian practice. Since 1989, they have been a leading expert on the needs of refugee women and children and the policies that can protect and empower them. So help empower your fellow human beings this holiday season while also supporting Somewhere in the Skies. The merchandise store can be found at tpublic.com and by searching for either Somewhere in the Skies or Spreg 51. That's S P R A G U E 51. Again, the website is tepublic.com for all Somewhere in the Skies merchandise. The book is available in paperback and ebook and can be found on Amazon or at richarddolanpress.com. If you wish to support the show separately and help us grow both in quality and quantity, the Patreon campaign is still running, and many rewards are now available for different levels of monthly contributions. And the list of rewards is only growing in 2018. To learn more and to become a patron, visit patreon.com backslash somewhere skies. Thank you so much. And now, let's get to this week's show. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Welcome to Somewhere in the Skies. I'm your host, Ryan Sprague. The audio you just heard comes from a recently declassified case file. It pertains to an encounter 
between a Navy fighter jet and an unknown object. It was released by the Defense Department's Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, a secret Pentagon project that we learned recently was working in the shadows to investigate UFOs. This story is making national headlines across every major news outlet, and today we talk in-depth about it, along with other highlights of 2017 in the Somewhere in the Skies year-end wrap-up. I am joined by close friends and colleagues, Jason McClellan, Mike DeMonte, and MJ Benias, to discuss some of the most interesting UFO, alien, and space news that graced us in 2017. And we then look forward to what 2018 may have in store for us as we continue to search further and deeper somewhere in the skies. So, without further ado, let's get to the 2017 Somewhere in the Skies wrap-up. This is going to be an epic conversation today. I thought, what better way to wrap up the year than to bring on three of my closest friends and colleagues. I have got Jason McClellan from Rogue Planet. I have got MJ Benias from Terra Obscura. And I have Mike DeMonte from Punk Rock and UFOs. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today. Pleasure to be here with you fine gentlemen. Yes, this is going to be an interesting one for sure. I did ask all of you before we started recording, we are not going to be able to get through this without a drink. So I need to know, what does everyone have in hand right now? Jason, I'm kind of stealing this from your uh, your your show. So um, we'll start with you, my friend. What, what are well, you drinking today? It, it's it's kind of kind of hilarious that uh, you decided to do this because, in an uncharacteristic manner, I'm drinking water tonight. Ooh, <laughs> I have a reason for that. Okay, uh, I I already did my drinking earlier, but uh, I just finished dinner recently, and I don't cook a meal without it being extremely spicy. Mm-hmm. So, water's necessary right now. But to make it interesting, I'll give you a little little brief story about my water. So I live in Phoenix, and the water, the, the tap water here, the groundwater is just absolutely horrible. You don't want to drink it. It, it tastes awful. So, and I know that's the case in, in many places, but in Phoenix especially. So I go to whatever grocery, grocery store I shop at, haul my five-gallon jug and fill that up at the machines that they have at all the grocery stores. The grocery store closest to my house has two of these machines sitting right outside the front door. And the brand, the company that operates these, these water machines is called, perfect for Phoenix, it's called Fiesta Water. <laughs> so it makes it seem more exciting than it is. So I'm drinking Fiesta Water. You know what? We're going to say that's a tequila. It it might be. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. Let's go with that. <laughs> but I, I I do have alcohol in my system, so I guess that counts, guys. Sorry. Oh, that, that's fair. That's totally <laughs> fair. MJ, what do you got for us? It's it's winter here, but I find that I often tend to go in reverse. So I'm, I'm enjoying a nice gin and soda, Bombay Sapphire on ice with uh, a hint of a club soda and a splash of lemon juice. So I'm, I'm just, I'm keeping it classy tonight, boys. Oh, that sounds delightful. That is my go-to gin. So Same well here. done, buddy. Yes, very mm-hmm. well done. Very well done. Uh, what, what temperature do you have there, MJ? I have to ask. It's, it's actually, it's, it's nice right now. Hold on, let me. Uh, I, I, it's, it was nice all day, but currently it's a balmy um, minus one oh, centigrade. Centigrade. Right, so right, right. I don't, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Sorry. I don't either. Dude, I don't have the conversion ability. I am that. freezing in Phoenix. I'm like shivering right now, and it's 52. So, 
Yeah. Oh no. Where? Yeah. Sixty-seven degrees in humid in Houston. Okay. Okay, Mike. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Jason. I'm pretty much with you, buddy. Yeah. This is actually going to be my first holiday without snow, so it's going to be very interesting. Mike, what are you drinking? I mean, it's Monday, so the most in the most punk rock fashion, um, I drank. I'm drinking water as well <laughs> because Monday nights, I you know, it's I do punk rock stuff. Like I go cycling. I drink a smoothie and I eat a salad. So, and it's also late. So, the last thing I drank did have alcohol in it. It was mouthwash. <laughs> that is fair enough, huh. man. I can't imagine so, swallowing that. Uh, yeah. If I'd have to work tomorrow morning, I would have a drink in hand. I have a lot of whiskey left over, uh, different flavored whiskey left over. <laughs> that- so, if I'd have to, if I'd, if I'd have to teach the youth of America tomorrow morning. I would definitely uh, be indulging. Yeah, yeah, that is a good point. I think we're at, what are we at, gentlemen? <laughs> Three different uh, coasts right now. So it's getting a little late for a couple of you guys. So uh, we will we will run through this. Um, I am drinking. What are you drinking, Ryan? I have got, Jason, Dalmore Scotch Whiskey. This is um, nice. a 12-year-old. So my girlfriend got me this amazing gift for christmas the advent calendar of whiskey amazing oh, awesome. amazing uh. it's amazing yeah you just open up a little thing every day and it's got a little you know shot bottle of whiskey a lot of them it's from it's from uh i believe england so it's got a lot of scotches but i've run across some really interesting ones there was a japanese one i had yesterday uh, i think it was 20 years old this one's 12 years old today very good very very mild very caramely uh very wintry so i'm I'm, I'm loving it. That's very cool. Yeah, I only started seeing those things this year, and those th- those are the coolest gifts. They really Love are. Love those advent calendars. That's and they awesome. do every alcohol you can think of. So yeah. uh, I, I will give a shameless plug. This is called Drinks by the Dram for anyone interested in a very, very unique gift this holiday season. Drinks by the Dram. All right, moving on. <laughs> All right. Well, so, I feel that, that um, Mike and I are at a, at a disadvantage going into this, but uh, we'll, we'll try to pull our weight. <laughs> uh, we're depending on you guys, the sober ones, for sure. <laughs> uh, so the first, I guess, story I kind of wanted to run through with you guys is is a very now we hear about ufo cases on a daily basis the four of us uh but this one really caught all of our attention and was pretty interesting and this was in october uh of this past year in oregon um where several witnesses both military and commercial this was also confirmed by the faa and norad of an unidentified flying object in the skies. Uh, this was first reported on Reddit and then eventually was reported in the Drive website. So apparently around 4.30 p.m. over the border of Oregon and California, there were reports that were coming in of a craft and there was no transponder. There was no communication being done between the other aircraft and this. So this is pretty interesting. Um, there was visual confirmation, but not any really good descriptions of what was seen. But Jason, I know you did cover this in a episode of Unknown. Um, so I wanted to maybe throw this one over to you, man. And if you have any more, sh- could shed any more light on this case for us. Sure. Well, one of the you know frustrating things that we tend to deal with in this field is the, the lack of real follow-up on a lot of these cases we hear about. Um, you know, and it, it, it's a sad, sad state of affairs. But you, you, 
look into this, into anything with UFOs, any current news story that comes out that sounds awesome, and you just kind of assume you're never going to hear anything about it again because that's what happens most of the time. <laughs> and as of a, a couple days ago, I, I did try to find more information, any follow-up to what we found out initially from this report, and I haven't personally seen any more about it. And I, truth be told, I didn't go back and look at Reddit because Reddit is Reddit. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I think potentially some really good information came from that. And, you know, it, it these sources could be pilots. They could be people who were personally involved in it. But, you know, you're just going on faith there. But all that aside, I mean, with the article that came out with Tyler Rogaway, the, the journalist who did the story, he did more than a lot of people do with UFO stories. He did actually press the FAA and NORAD trying to get confirmation, trying to get more information. He did get, get that, that confirmation. And a couple things with this case, you know, really jump out at me because I love when this happens. Number one, again, official confirmation that there was something in the air that was seen by multiple witnesses, both in the air and on the ground. The, the, the craziest thing is the scrambling of military aircraft to, right. try, to try to intercept this thing. But crazier still, they couldn't find it. <laughs> so they scrambled military aircraft because there was an unidentified craft in the air, and they couldn't find it when they got up there. So mystery craft that was going super fast, approximately 860 miles per hour. It had limited radar uh, reflectivity. And, I mean, it was seen by a lot of pilots in the air. It was uh, allegedly executing high-G maneuvers. So a lot of interesting elements to this story that, uh, I don't know, make it a pretty darn good UFO story in my book. I, I think so. And I think there was – was there uh, audio as well from this? Did anyone have Yeah, to... that's what makes it fun, too, listening through the, the chatter – yeah. Um, from pilots in the air as they're tracking this thing, communicating with the uh, the, the airport tower. You know, it's it's fascinating to listen to, and it's almost like listening to like a you know, a police scanner or something, hearing you know an event unfold right before you're listening to it live and hearing their reactions. It's kind of exciting, right? I, I love when there's audio data to go with these UFO yes. cases. It, it helps so much, and it really puts you in the shoes of the witnesses, which is something we right. rarely get. Um, we'll talk about it another case that uh recently came out where we had some audio as well uh video but yeah this is a pretty compelling one i don't know guys do you do you have anything to add to this one um were you following this case at all um i, I was gonna chime in real quick so i thought it was kind of a coincidence when i was looking uh, stuff up about this that just a few weeks prior uh the the oregonian their website oregon live ran uh, as october 12th this was i think two weeks before the sighting happened they ran a uh, throwback story um, about a UFO a UFO case in the 20s. Whoa. And if you look up Paul Trent UFO photos, which were taken in Oregon as well, yep. they're, they're, very, they're very distinct. Yeah, the, these are famous photos, by the way. I mean, these are some of the first UFO photos yep. we've ever gotten, I believe, of a oh. clear object. Yeah. And to this day, Jason, I don't know, and MJ, I don't know if you guys can attest to this, they've pretty much been proven authentic, right? I mean, there there hasn't been tons of controversy behind them as far as i know well i think it was bruce mcabee right who sort of yeah he's the big supporter of the trent photos and he still stands by them i think so even even today right and i think that like you know it's tough right because he i think all he claims though is that you know 
no one tampered with the film or no one sure. tampered with the photograph. But you right, know, it's so a physical all, object. Right. right, it's a physical object in the sky. But you know, whether it's you know a lampshade or something getting thrown into the air, and you know, he he can't really comment on that. It could be really be anything. Those the Trent photos, um, but they're I mean they're definitely part of sort of UFO mythology, right? They're they're definitely sort of well known pictures. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that's really interesting, Mike. I, did, I, I didn't think about that. We do have some of the first UFO photos ever from Oregon. So that was pretty cool. And I mean, the, the, in terms of this recent case here, I thought it was pretty interesting that the theories, they ranged from a possible drug smuggling operation, <laughs> since this happened in the middle of the day, pretty much. It, it was in broad daylight. Or they think it might have been possible military test craft. Some people said that they saw a white plane, which is pretty interesting. But yeah, I, yeah, I guess... It was a white craft. That's really the only description they had and right. and the time of day the pilots flying you know most of the the, the closest pilots you know it was it, toward the sun so they couldn't really see it for very long and really just saw a reflection of something so right right and this sort of harkens back to early 2017 um i'm thinking of the chilean case um which to this point have we had guys i don't know about you any updates on what the hell that was was there any firm answer to what that video was was this I the mean, leslie kane one yes with the thing dumping yep 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 yeah wasn't it debunked on um not metabunk but uh one of i think they also did but uh with a lot with a lot of these cases you know there are plenty of people who you know look through flight records yeah. and and make their determination that well, based on where they say these things were in the time of day, it was obviously flight so-and-so out of this place. So, yeah, I think with that case, uh, several people were, were more than content um, saying, yeah, for sure they identified the flight. But, you know, then it comes down to you as an individual deciding if you want to go with this side or this side. I, I do think many people are happy with an identification of just a, a flight that was in the area, but others are still on the fence. Yeah. Well, if if they were saying it was a flight, how how did they explain the the how it was almost breaking off? How did they how did they explain that? Because that was featured on a on Josh Gates Destination Truth. He did his whole like four part uh, chasing UFO oh, series yeah. in that case, and they tried to recreate it um, on uh, just through. Um, I think they were on a, uh, an air balloon. They tried to recreate that same thing through through not special effects, but just through kind of like practical effects in the air mm -hmm. to try to create a similar phenomenon they had trouble doing so so i'm wondering you know if people are saying well there's a flight at the same time how does that explain the phenomenon of what people were seeing i think it had to do with uh, they were making claims that it was dumping like right. wastewater out of its like like the, like basically toilet water that, a lot of tourists, yeah <laughs> yeah bank, yeah like the way the way the plane would bank to to like the left or the right or something the i guess the way the the jet would show up on the fleer because of all the heat just mm -hmm. the, the the remnant heat what you're actually seeing is not sort of anything coming off it's just the heat signature of of um the jet wash coming off of the the rear of the airplane uh, i don't know metabunk did a, it is meta, it was metabunk after all um they did a really good job actually of of sort of providing all of their sort of evidence and and citations and references i mean no one from the other side has sort of come back and said well here's why it isn't this or here's why it isn't that <laughs> um, i don't think they've really done much to kind of counter the metabunks debunking so I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just I'm just concerned that it was just, you know, they released it maybe prematurely thinking it was something big and turns out just a plane. Well, and I think that's a good point, MJ, that, uh, you know, the journalist Leslie Keene, she did say, like, if you have an answer, please tell me, like, 
You know, what, yeah. again, a responsible journalist saying like to the public, tell us what you know. We're bringing this to you. Tell us what you know. We, we did run into a lot of issue with this case, I think, early on where people were so quick to be so unbelievably uh they scrutinized it to a point where they're saying that the journalist covering this case in specific was stupid or was irresponsible when in reality it's a pretty compelling video by an army you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. no matter what it was they wanted to bring it to the public so i think that was it was an interesting case uh it kind of reminded me of this one but um yeah Interesting, nonetheless. Well, something important that we have to keep in mind with, uh, especially these cases where we have uh, video, we have footage from from planes and coming from military sources, and really any case in general, is keeping an open mind and understanding that facts and information that, that, that come to us through the investigation process do change, and we need to be open to change. Uh, a lot of people latch on to things, and I, I don't remember if it was if that it was that particular Chilean case or a different case, but I know something with information displayed on the camera. I think it was later found out that it was like a, a new camera and it hadn't been calibrated right. So maybe some right. of the figures on the camera displaying weren't actually correct. To like a centimeter, I believe. Jason. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. So yeah. completely putting what was being viewed in a different location in the sky than the investigators right. had initially reported because they were judging off of what the camera was saying. So little things like that can completely change a case. And a lot of times people dismiss little things like that because they say, oh, well, I read the initial report and they dismissed that because they said that absolutely couldn't happen. Well, when you have something like information from the camera that you're basing everything off of in terms of positioning, that changes your entire case. I mean, you have to go back and revisit evidence that you've crossed off the list or possibilities that you've crossed off the list. I was going to say, one thing I like with this um, airliners, and I think the article is called Airliners and F-15s involved in bizarre encounter with mystery aircraft. Yeah. One thing I like about this is it didn't come from sort of a UFO source or a typical right. UFO source. Yeah. Right? I, I like when, when articles come from sort of these rogue players who um, are not involved in any way within the UFO community. They're sort of just, you know, regular journalists who just sort of dig into a case or an interesting event with no real background in the UFO community. So they don't really arrive to their conclusions from sort of a predetermined or I guess a pre-established sort of notion of, of what UFOs are or, or mm-hmm. at least sort of the, the, the mythology behind UFOs. Um, so that's one thing I found this case to be interesting, right? And, and it's probably something, you know, I'm, I, it's probably not aliens, but I, I really like this, this sort of article and I really enjoyed listening on, on your show, actually, Jason, the, the audio. It was, it was super interesting because again, right, this is like totally not a UFO story that sort of became a UFO story, right? Yeah, I'm with you yeah. 100%. I mean, I love that. And especially with the background of that particular journalist, he's a military and aviation correspondent. So he's yeah. coming at this, you know, from the angle of, hey, I'm really familiar with military aircraft. This is what I write about. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> so that gives it a, a really fun angle, you know, for me personally. So. It, it speaks volumes too. the fact that you're having someone like, you know, you said MJ, who's not, you know, invested in the subject like we are, um, you know, it, it's a different perspective. But for them to be commenting about it as well and covering it, I think that just speaks, um, like I said, speaks volumes about just the interest the stuff is starting to kind of garner. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And and in that that context, you know, pointing out from from his military and aviation background, pointing out why this particular case is something that has elements that 
we should take note of, you know, not just saying, oh, there was some mystery thing in the sky, but pointing out the fact that here it was being acknowledged by official sources, that jets were scrambled, that it wasn't able to be located. Um, just a lot of things that raised red flags from a military slash aviation standpoint. I loved it. Loved it. We got nothing but the facts. And I think that's, you know, Mike, you can attest to this as a professional journalist and you guys as well. Like that's, that's what we need. There's no belief involved in this. It was this happened fact by fact, time, date, done. Boom. Hopefully we'll get some sort of uh, follow up. Who knows? We run into that's that always the hope all the time. I know, Jason. Um, <laughs> well, guys, we're going to do a UFO sandwich. So we've got some meat in between these uh, or some uh, vegan meat as well. Sorry. Just thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> have you guys had the impossible burger, by the way? I have not had the impossible <laughs> burger. I've had the beyond burger. Okay. The beyond burger is amazing. Still, still oh, haven't so had the impossible burger. Dude, I had an Impossible Burger last night, and I'm hooked. I, I, it, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna cross over. I think I'm ready to cross over. <laughs> just Dude, for that. So good. Come, come, come join the dark side. <laughs> yep. Yes, yes. As the last Jedi would say. All right. So yeah, in our sandwich, gentlemen, we have another pretty. A lot of these things we're covering tonight are very recent, which always seems to happen when you try to do a wrap up show. Everything happens like a couple days after. Or, you know, stuff like that. It's never throughout the year. So we Dude, have... The year is so long. It's so freaking long. It's hard to remember what happened early in the It year. really is. And there are some <laughs> things that we all want to forget. We did discuss a couple things we were going to talk about, uh, a few individuals specifically. But I think we should veer towards more the optimistic side. So, um... The next one we're going to talk about is the, my girlfriend's from Hawaii, uh, she will never forgive me if I get this wrong, uh, the Umamua Asteroid Story. <laughs> I think I said that right. Say it again, Ryan. Say it o again. Umamua. <laughs> I, was, I was actually practicing trying to pronounce it earlier, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to let Ryan take the lead on this. This is his show. <laughs> I'm just going to put whatever. That's the appropriate decision. She's All probably you, in Ryan. the other room thinking, what the hell is he doing in there? Uh, yep. All right, so we have an asteroid from another star system that recently, if not currently, is zipping past Jupiter at around 196,000 miles per hour. Holy shit. This is actually too fast to be trapped by the sun's gravitational pull. Amazing. Uh, this was first spotted by astronomers at Pan-STARRS project at the University of Hawaii. This is pretty interesting, guys. This is not like most meteors or asteroids we're used to seeing that are round, jagged. This is cigar-shaped uh, and pretty weird. It's pretty weird. And some scientists do not think that this is a natural object, including Stephen Hawking. So they had a plan that they wanted to try to communicate with whatever this object is. And I did ask a couple of you guys to do some homework on this one because I am horrible at astronomy and space stuff. So if anyone could chime in on this one and has further details, please feel free to jump in. Sure. So uh, I'll... I'll start us off here. The the most recent article actually that I that just came out literally hour ago uh, was from BGR.com, which is like a tech website. And uh, I guess there's been a recent development. They are calling it officially sort of a comet now, or at least I don't want to say officially, but sort of they're assessing it now as a yeah. comet because uh, it doesn't sort of contain the, the usual sort of rock-like substance that an asteroid or a meteor would. However, due to its odd shape and I guess the speed it's traveling and, and the fact that it's been traveling for quite some time, um, it's, it's lost its outer sort of icy shell. Mm. So that's why it's not really sort of giving off the typical comet trail and it's 
uh, just sort of behaving oddly, I suppose. But right now, they're considering it uh, a comet. But, you know, we can always try talking to it, too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was a pretty interesting one. I, I The day this came out, I don't know about you guys, but everyone was like, uh, what is this thing? Especially since someone like Stephen Hawking is saying, you know, this looks like a ship. Uh, yeah pretty interesting thing for something someone like him to say again maybe that was taken out of context somehow i'm sure it was but uh yeah yeah this one this one was pretty interesting i don't know if anyone else has anything else to add well i love stuff like this and i mean it just you know another illustration of how bizarrely awesome the universe is and how we really have no idea about the things that are in it so you know we see something that looks different and it's just the same with ufos too things in the sky that we're not used to seeing we see something that looks bizarre then all of a sudden our imaginations run wild and we're all oh what's this this must be an alien spacecraft yeah <laughs> so you know and, and some people poo poo the uh the initiatives like the breakthrough initiatives people who you know train the green bank telescope and try to listen to see if they can get any aliens extraterrestrial signals off of this thing i applaud those efforts you know i'm glad someone's out there doing it because we should try everything right i mean we don't know what it is so why just dismiss something and say well obviously it's not extraterrestrials we don't know it could be it's probably not it looks like a big piece of rock that uh, looks bizarre but it doesn't look like a, a cool spacecraft like i would imagine awesome extraterrestrial civilizations would build but hey it's possible so let these guys in their group you know they've got the money i mean it's yuri milner and mark zuckerberg you know yeah. i love what breakthrough initiatives is doing like i love billionaires who are spending their money on space exploration that is amazing so let them do it i'm glad I haven't uh, heard from aliens yet aboard this thing but hey keep looking exactly man yeah. i think that's a good point that like there's gotta if these projects are going to continue like they need something to study so why not throw that money into something like this while others may say it's a waste of time or money this is why we have these projects and dude i always point it out people people love to rip on seti and stuff right you know, seti's not something that's really getting taxpayer money you know it's stuff they get donations for and whatever and, and projects like this breakthrough initiatives these are billionaires and billionaires can either spend their money on yachts and being obnoxious here on Earth, or they can fund <laughs> space initiatives. I'm all for the billionaires who want to spend their money on space. Very good point. Mike, what were you going to add? Yeah, I was just saying, the, the interesting thing was the, the name uh, the name that was given in Hawaiian it stands for scout. Mm-hmm. It means scout, which is re- really fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think... Again, like what we can bring to things like this is just it goes far beyond anything that we do in in terms of like studying UFOs here on Earth. Uh, it's amazing that we have, like you said, Jason, people willing to put money into looking for things out there. So let's keep doing that. And I guess to sort of piggyback off of that is our next big story that came a few days ago. And this is the discovery of the first alien star system with eight planets, which sounds a little similar to our own. So I'm going to throw it over to you guys. Who Who's looked into this one? I, I've barely scratched the surface when it comes to this, but it sounds extremely interesting. Well, I can certainly talk a little bit about it. You know, this is one of those things that we get announced notification from NASA that they're going to hold a press conference to reveal some exciting findings. Sometimes, and more <laughs> times than not, NASA is to blame for hyping stories um, they started doing this several years ago. 
um, when they realized that people got really excited about extraterrestrials and the possibility of alien civilizations. So they'd start carefully wording their press releases to hype it up and create this maybe a little bit of hope that they're going to announce they found aliens. So that never happens and hasn't happened yet. And even now with press releases, and I, the press release for this particular story wasn't really hyped up like NASA has done in recent history. But that didn't stop a lot of mainstream media from wording their headlines in a way that uh, said, is NASA going to reveal they found aliens? Like There was nothing in the press release to even hint that they had this massive announcement or something to do with extraterrestrial life. Previous press releases have said that because they're talking about, you know, things with astrobiology and potential signs and potential energy sources that could mean that life could have been there at one point in time. But there was nothing like that in this. But still, there were plenty of headlines wondering and speculating about what this announcement is going to be and saying they are going to announce they found aliens. Well, there was nothing like that. So it was on December 14th when they had their press conference to announce the latest findings from the Kepler Space Telescope. And anybody's listened to me over the years through various <laughs> interviews and shows, you I love Kepler. Super Kepler fan of Kepler. Kepler like <laughs> the little space robot that could. Like he's overcome so much adversity and he's still out there trucking. <laughs> and, you know, he, so what Kepler did, they, they sifted through some of uh, the, the recent data collected by Kepler and they found this solar system approximately 2,500 light years from Earth. Planets, there are eight of them. They circle a star called Kepler-90. And so this solar system now ties our solar system for the highest number of planets around a single star. So, of course, people start the speculation out there that, oh, maybe it's our twin. Maybe there's an Earth out there and all this stuff. And also we can get into a debate about, well, hey, we really have nine planets. Let's be honest here. Don't don't be mean to my Pluto. See, when I was a boy, <laughs> no, when I was a, a young big, lad, of, yeah. yes. But anyway, so they found this. So the uh, they found a couple more planets in the solar system to bring it, bring its count up to eight to tie our planet count in our solar system. That's cool. But the coolest part about this announcement was that NASA teamed up with Google AI. They used machine learning to sift through Kepler's data. So. Machines found these planets. Kind of freaky, but kind of cool. So what, what they did was they essentially c constructed a neural net based off of human brain. And these machines were able to look through data and notice dips that human eyes would miss. And they were able to locate these planets. Mm. So that's going to help tremendously in sifting through Kepler data. You know, this thing was launched in 2009, and it just continues collecting mountains of data it would take years and years and years and years to sort sift through it they've implemented um and, and utilized other things like crowdsourcing and, and other computers like SETI at home that uh, system to help sift through the data but still it's going to take forever especially since kepler's still collecting data but now that we've got the machines on it those robots will, will they'll find plenty more planets but since launching in 2009, 2,500 planets, exoplanets have been confirmed thanks to Kepler. So Oof. pretty awesome. I love Kepler. Exactly, man. And again, proving like we were searching for radio signals. We're searching visually 
it's it's incredible that like these things are still going on and unless we hear these breakthrough announcements by NASA not many people ever think about it like this should be national right. headlines anytime right. there's even a small discovery but again it's just not the sort of media world we live in but uh well I, this and is you know amazing. we're so we're so used to stuff now i mean you know desensitized to everything and anything because we've heard it before so uh exoplanet uh been there done that <laughs> Right. Let me know when you find aliens, and then even then, people won't be that excited. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, people don't get it. They, exoplanets are fairly recent. We didn't even know about a single exoplanet until you know recent history. So I don't know. It's all very exciting. It's all happening super fast too. So I think because we're so inundated with it now, which is such a common occurrence, that people you know brush it off. They're all eh, another another planet. So what? Yeah, no, I was going to agree with that. It's you know it's common occurrence, but at the same time, it's, you know you're right. It's the people who are exploring these are the billionaires and NASA and groups like SETI because the government's not putting any money into this, as far as we know. You know, space exploration is not on the the budget in the United States right now. Um, so it just it's just fascinating that you know all these discoveries kind of has to be done not rogue <laughs> per se, <laughs> no pun no pun intended, but um, you know like you said you know we're just kind of desensitized to it too, it's just kind of happening very very low key. You know, and yeah. when it does happen. You know, you're right. It's like, oh, another, you know, Star Wars discovered and it's not as big news. But at the same time, people are still interested, if that makes sense. Just just the fact that, you know, so many of these sites are we're running almost clickbait about the NASA announcement. Exactly. You know, I, I think that that speaks volumes of the fact that of the interest of it, even if the announcement or the news isn't earth shattering. Well, and the things that really do hit are so just like head scratching. You know, really? Why did this story become so large? I mean, think about. The last solar eclipse. That oh, was like a pop culture thing. You know, wait, why is this happening? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a I mean, All really, of a sudden, everybody's into eclipses? What's going on? I mean, is, is space cool again? Like, like it, obviously, like, it, like, I'm, I'm tripping. I'm all, yeah. Uh, <laughs> obviously, these people, like, have finally woken up. Space is cool, man, and all this stuff going on. But why now? What what happened to make everybody interested in the eclipse? I'll tell like, you guys. Yeah. I think because Earth sucks so bad. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's that, Mike. Or I was going to say, like, in order for this thing to be, you know, a pop culture thing or to really get to the masses, you got to get an Instagram selfie with it. And we just can't do that with these planets yet. <laughs> That's true. But they, they even tried to latch on to that several years ago. Um, some of these initiatives with, yeah, take a selfie and send it to this number and we'll take all your selfies to Mars. <laughs> God, that's I where think, we're I don't at, think, guys. I don't think this would be a, a Ufology 2017 year in review, you know, unless we mention sort of how exciting it's been for sort of the exopolitics and the disclosure movement. Mm-hmm. I think that they've had a really good year. Um, and I think that I, 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 if I have to sort of comment on on one post i'm tired of seeing it is the the typical disclosure person who sort of writes like drip drip splash in in regards to um (laughs) the news this year because it's been this sort of you know discovery of exoplanets is suddenly you know nasa just slowly dripping that there's an alien reality they're just slowly releasing this obviously and uh (laughs) you know so help me if i see the words drip drip splash again i'm gonna go nuts (laughs) in regards to disclosure because you're uh, gonna see it oh i and i and i've kind of you know girded my loins Uh, i'm ready for it but i'm just 
I'm just, it's I, so I, it has much to be mentioned. Yeah, yeah, it has to be mentioned in the 2017 ufology yes. view here. Yes. Absolutely. And with that, gentlemen, we're going to get to the meat, the actual meat, my vegan friends, of... Um, of 2017 let's start with tom DeLong. now we had this major announcement about to the stars academy i don't need to remind listeners about what that is you know what it is now jason you did a wonderful discussion with both of these gentlemen about this so yeah who wants to take this one before we even get to what happened a couple days ago wants to give a brief overview and sort of maybe what's currently going on with to the stars academy anybody want to take this one I dare you. I dare you. M- MJ would love to. <laughs> He's just waiting. I, 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 said, I said we should have MJ take it. <laughs> um, so, okay, so I will try and give my most unbiased journalistic to the Stars Academy recap. Okay. Let's say. So I can't remember the month. October, I think? Yes, to the Stars October. Academy of Arts October Science. 11th. Yep. There you go. October 11th. All this the stuff happened in will, October, yeah. A day which will live in infamy. The Academy yeah, that's my wedding anniversary. To, to the stars academy of arts and science officially sort of was announced by tom DeLong and a group of individuals let's say contractors from various government uh, and uh, intelligence cough cough agencies and they announced that they were uh, launching a project that would join both science and art to one develop new technology for the public good which would bring 25th century technology to the 21st century as well as some potential new evidence to suggest that advanced aerial threats exist and that uh, unknown aerial phenomena are real and haunting our skies and it's not necessarily benevolent is that okay was that my was that fair absolutely Mike? I threw up a few times in my mouth saying all that, so <laughs> I just need to wash that down with my gin. Someone take over. Um, so do you, you want to talk? Let's talk about more recently, uh, the past couple of days. Yes. So let's, let's get I, into that. Thank you. Well, you know, uh, I mean, me and Ryan were talking about this last week, how I don't think uh, Tom has really done himself favors leading up to it, just because I know the initial announcement, just the kind of the flack he was getting from it. To the Stars Academy, I think it really was a big blow to his ego. And I think it was when was it on like Thursday or Friday? You know, he posted this tweet, just kind of attacking a lot of the people who follow him, or the UFO community in general. And it was very, uh, it was just a bad look. And then, yeah. like two days later, they dropped this footage, which they've been promising. Wait, 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 Mike, Mike, we have yeah. to be fair. We have to yeah. be fair here. After his announcement in October, for several months, well, actually not several months, sorry, several weeks, mm-hmm. he posted many photographs that are clearly have already been debunked by the UFO community Yes, um, to his Twitter feed and saying that this was evidence of UFOs when clearly this was sort of ridiculous hoaxed information from even Secure Team 10. Um, So so we need to be fair here that yeah, yeah, he was he he did sort of get his ego hurt. But I got to be honest, what what is he doing posting these ridiculous photographs that clearly are not legitimate? I think that just comes from his uh, general sloppiness. Um, I mean, you know, he's very ADD and he gets really excited. And rather, you know, if you're going to post a photo like that, explain, hey, this is something that's fake, but we're going to try to build something that's like this. Or there's none of that. It's just very rushed and very not not very well thought out. And I think a lot of things he kind of posts on social media aren't very thought out because he doesn't have a lot of people managing kind of – well, let me put it this way. I think there's people who manage officially – 
what he can and can't do regarding the company. But when it comes to his own social media, I don't think there's anyone in his ear saying, hey, this isn't a good idea or not, especially the people he has working with. And the people he has on his team are, you know, the, to the stars, not the academy. I mean, it's, it's family and, and friends he's been working with for years now. And I don't think any of them are yeah. have the balls to be anything other than a, a yes man or a friend to tell him, you know, hey, this isn't a good look or this isn't a good idea. I'm not defending him posting the, the ridiculous. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Most fo- uh, hoax photos he did, you know, that's definitely a head scratcher. But I just think, you know, he kind of has this accountability-free world um, with, with to the stars. Right, right. I mean, he, he is the, not the sole owner, but yeah, he, he runs basically everything that's coming out of there. And that tweet, Mike, was deleted, I believe, uh, a few hours later. The hoaxed photos were deleted at one point. Yeah, so this guy, I, I, this is, if anything is coming out of this whole Tom DeLonge thing, which may run even deeper into 2018, it's that the dude is shooting himself in the foot time and time again, but then producing solid stuff. That can be debated. We will get into that. Many people argue that none of what has happened in the past few days is anything new. Uh, I want to hear your guys' opinion on that. So, Mike, you were sort of hinting at what happened. So why don't you sort of drop this bomb for us that... I guess inevitably Tom DeLong dropped on us a couple days ago, Saturday morning, I believe. Yeah, it was really interesting to me because the New York Times apparently was, you know, they're the ones who quote unquote broke the story and they were holding on to it for days because a lot of times, you know, before you run a story, especially something like that, where there's multiple sources, you have to get the sources approved by your editors. You know, so it's always fascinating to me when there's, you know, you hear about, you know, Washington Post or big outlets that have stories with 30 plus sources. You know, usually it's a pretty credible story. So I think this is something that's been working for a while, and I think this is something that Tom has teased, and you know he you know he couldn't really reveal anything about it yet. But still, why would you you know the story's coming out soon? Why would you tweet something ridiculous previous you know previous days just try to stir in the pot and attacking people? So that kind of you know boggles my mind. But on Saturday morning, the New York Times came out with this great story, and the story the story never mentioned Tom by name. It's mostly about uh, Louis Elizondo and 
uh, his position in the Pentagon and the, the gimbal footage, which to the stars released um, on their website. And then, yeah. So that's kind of where we're at Saturday. And the, the, the biggest takeaway I take from this is this story is everywhere. It's on CNN. Uh, it was New York, New York Times largest story this weekend in terms of hits and comments. Uh, NBC um, picked up on it. Washington Post. Uh, Washington Post. Every major outlet reported on it. And uh, I, I blogged about this today. And the most important thing we take, you know, the biggest takeaway we take about this is, number one, these major outlets are reporting on it. And they're taking it seriously, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not dismissing it. And especially with all this going on in the world right now, you know, uh, the 24-hour news cycle is very much dominated by ratings, what's clicking, what people care about. And what, like I said, with the, you know, the situation in North Korea, what's going on in America right now between the, the GOP tax bill and Trump making a fool out of himself every day. You know, every day there's something new. There's so much stuff that's dominating the headlines. So for this to kind of get some play, even if it's 10 minutes, I think that that says something that speaks volumes to the fact that, hey, maybe – people are starting to care and show that they care about this stuff. I I want to believe that so bad, Mike. I do wonder, though, uh, a lot of the reporters on these major outlets, when they had Leslie Keen on, they had uh, Luis Elizondo on uh, to interview them, the first thing they said before they even asked about what this actual news was about was, it is so refreshing to talk about something other than American politics. So that right there, I I do question, you know, the genuine interest by some of the mainstream media. But at the same time, it does come down to ratings. We do know that UFOs and aliens are a big hot button thing when it is in the mainstream, even if it is ridiculed at times. But like you said, there's been very little ridicule factor with this story. And I think it it is because of the content. We have an extremely compelling video that was uh, that was uh, given to us by To The Stars. And I do want to ask about that. Do do any of you know, does DeLong and To The Stars, do they own this video? I don't think so. I I don't know that that'd be possible unless there's some story where he paid for the rights to it. But yeah, I don't. Th- I don't no. think so. It's it belongs to the government, and no no one person right? can own it. So it's a declassified video, so anybody can get it. Okay, but, but they are the ones that facilitated the getting it released. So obviously, they're the ones that uh, all the media media sources are citing to. So and rightfully so. But uh, no, he doesn't own it. Yeah, Jason, could you maybe comment on what exactly the news was besides the video? We had a we have a project that I, I don't know about you guys, but. <laughs> never really heard anything about this um maybe maybe i'm a naive ufologist i don't know but please tell me if you guys knew anything about this project i think the 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 videos that were released are cool and people need to understand or you know we'll just wait and see if they follow through and i i think they will but they they just launched their community of interest and we're talking about to the stars academy of arts and science here something that tom had hinted at that they were trying to do and it's this community of interest an online platform that they have designed to kind of get people actively involved to what extent we don't know yet but that's where they plan to release lots of these videos videos that have been declassified from government sources to get people discussing them looking into them whatever else. So I think that's going to be an endless supply of fun for all of us researchers in the coming year. But obviously the biggest story here, and some people don't think it's a story at all. And as MJ alluded to, many people uh, love pointing out that uh, this could be disinformation or preparing us for a false flag or other things that really make me annoyed. But we learned that the Pentagon, the government 
had an active UFO investigation program going on up until just recent years. So uh, some some sources I've seen have been turning it into a financial story too, talking about spending $22 million on UFOs. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And and being surprised at at black budget spending. I mean, this is a, you know, a big, big win, big confirmation for some people in the UFO world who have been screaming about UFOs and black budgets for so many years. But here we have confirmation that money was spent and used from black budget purposes to to fund this UFO program that ran for a, a span of five years and worked primarily with Robert Bigelow and Bigelow Aerospace. This shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody because we know that Bigelow still, not really with confirmation, but we all assume that he still operates um, his advanced aerospace division of Bigelow Aerospace. And that's sort of what happened after his National Institute of Discovery Sciences that he put together. But money was funneled to him for the purpose of doing this investigation for the the government's project. One of the more exciting things is he changed buildings, apparently, (laughs) on his big compound there in Nevada um, to store materials allegedly recovered from crashed UFOs. And again, that shouldn't be terribly exciting for people who have followed Bigelow and, and what he's done with UFO research. Even, I, I don't think it's still there, but the National Atomic Testing Museum there in Las Vegas used to have an Area 51 exhibit called Area 51 Myth or Reality. And it was really largely a UFO exhibit with all sorts of interesting and fascinating things, not even necessarily related to Area 51. It was a very small component of this exhibit. Um, A lot of stuff from George Knapp in there. But Robert Bigelow even contributed some artifacts to this exhibit. And one was something that that George Knapp uh, was involved in an investigation with, but a, a piece of metal that displayed unusual properties and like anti-gravity properties and just, you know, interesting, interesting things. I've written some articles on that, but Bigelow donated some of the stuff to this museum, but he's been involved in, in material collection and other aspects of UFOs for so many years. And again, talking about news this year, Back in May was when uh, 60 Minutes ran their interview with Robert Bigelow and again saying yeah. things that he's been saying for year, years, but saying that there's been an, there has been and is an existing presence, an ET presence on Earth. And, you know, saying that you don't have to go anywhere in space to find extraterrestrials because they're right here. And, you know, so all of his comments about his personal beliefs that we know that extraterrestrials are here. <laughs> you know, so it's not surprising that Bigelow was heavily involved and perhaps still is involved in government UFO studies. Yeah. And it didn't hurt that he was a, a good friend of Harry Reid's. So, and Harry Reid was the one who really put this program in motion. I think it gives the program credibility, too, to mainstream audiences especially. And that's why I think the news is covering it, because Harry Reid is a major political player. Yeah, yeah. And he had backing for this program through both Democratic and Republican senators. So I think that's a big thing. Like, it, it doesn't matter what political side you land on. This this is a, a topic and an interest by many people, both in Congress, both in the military, both in the intelligence agencies. And yeah, I mean, Reed says he's not embarrassed or ashamed or sorry he got this thing going. He thinks it's a good thing. And he did his congressional service. And I think that's awesome. If this is the that's thing awesome. you're going to be remembered for, you have so many people who dream of that so yeah 
Whatever. It, w- another big thing I think is interesting is that officially this program supposedly has ended due to, you know, no more financing. But right. we are hearing, you know, by many of these people, uh, Elizondo included, that it's still going on. Now, that's, right. that really interested me in terms of who is still investigating it. Is this to the stars? Is this uh, Bigelow still? I, I do wonder who they're alluding to when they say it's still being investigated. Do they well, mean- he certainly he certainly said that uh, Elizondo, Lou, said that uh, he and others were still continuing the program even after it had been disfunded. Okay. He was just doing it on his own time, basically. And dime, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Elizondo Delange met with uh, Bigelow a couple of months ago. This hasn't been, right. no one really broke the story, but I mean, if you look on social media, just through like searching hashtags on Instagram, you can see Tom and, and uh, Elizondo were there meeting with Bigelow and his daughter. So, those granddaughter. Are right. have, uh, granddaughter. Yeah, granddaughter, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Blair Bigelow. Yeah. Good and old she, Blair. She, she she works for Bigelow Aerospace, but yeah, she's she's the one who posted the photo That's hanging incredible. out there at Bigelow Aerospace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That did go a little under uh, reported and is pretty yeah. much a big deal. Yeah. Not only that, but the reason that Elizondo left was he quit because because of the secrecy. He said that was behind this. Like he wanted the information out. So that was pretty interesting as well. How deep does the secrecy go with this project? I do wonder. The, the interesting thing is he came on uh, – one of the, he was the last ones to come on to the Stars Academy, and he was the kind of the big question mark. People are like, who is this guy? And he's been the one dominating uh, the story this whole weekend. Every story has been about him. He's been on you know, every every show and every TV show and radio program since, uh, since Saturday. Yeah, and that is the real story. I mean the, the real story that broke on Saturday and you're seeing the fallout now is not about any military videos that were released. It's about the confirmation that despite denying it for so many years, the U.S. government did and perhaps still does investigate UFOs up into recent years. So, absolutely. So, I mean, anyone who doesn't have this keen interest that you know the four of us do, and who have been preaching for years that yes, the government does hide information about this for the everyday person. I, I mean, I was talking to my girlfriend yesterday about all of this and explaining to her, yes, apparently they have they have metal alloys and things from structured craft that are not from mm-hmm. here. Um, again, right. that, that's that's very of a, a very wide net of what it could be. But she immediately shivered and said, "I, I had no idea." Like, yes, I know you guys talk about this all the time. You know, the X-Files covers this, but I always thought it was stuff of fiction. And we are seeing that a lot of the things that we do perceive as, you know, in a fictional realm are slowly coming true. I'm not saying drip, drip, splash, MJ, by any <laughs> means. <laughs> but it is very exciting. Any faith that I have lost in DeLong and what he's trying to do, uh, I'm still being very weary of it at all. But... I think this is pretty interesting. It's very compelling. I want to see more gun camera footage because I think that is some of the big smoking gun stuff that we're going to get. And I I guess to sort of wrap up this one, guys, what do you think of the footage itself? I mean, I personally think it's fascinating. You know, I'm not a pilot, but reading and hearing what pilots have said, including the pilot who allegedly was the pilot of that flight, you know, comments that he doesn't think it was from Earth. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, that's interesting information. Yeah, I agree with Jason, because like none of us are pilots, so we don't know what that's like. So, and and like I said, you know, the footage for us, it's very, you know, it's very grainy and it's very, so their commentary basically tells the story, you know, because basically all we're looking at is blips on a screen. 
But here's the so, other thing too. I, I want people to, to always keep it in mind to listen to what he's saying. This is a pilot, a career pilot, somebody who'd been in the military for quite some time as a pilot, had engaged things in the sky. And when these pilots are seeing something that they've never encountered before, never heard about before, displays characteristics and behaviors and abilities that you know seems to be far beyond anything that we slash they know about, that's huge. And we should take note of it. Put extraterrestrials aside. Yes, that may be a possibility, but just the fact that there's something like that that <laughs> we can't identify, we don't know what it is, but it's there and seems to outrun the technology we have, that's something that we should be interested in and something that merits study. Absolutely. And I think the audio is very important here too. And hopefully it has not been doctored at all. We have we do have people arguing that. But the fact that, like you said, Jason, these trained pilots, they're up there for a reason. They are scrambling this object. So they don't know if it's a potential threat or not. So while they're they're intercepting it, they also have to be ready for a national security threat to attack this thing. So I well, mean, and as Lou, I think it was Lou who even said, and this is, you know, a very common sense thing, I would think, but it's lost on a lot of people that despite the excuse given by the Ministry of Defense, by the United States, um, government for ceasing their investigation into UFOs is that, uh, you know, we don't have time for this and it's not a, we've determined it's not a threat. What Lou says is, look, when you know you have something in your airspace and you can't identify it and you can't intercept it, that's a threat. Yeah, that's a good point. It doesn't mean it fired on you. That is a threat. It's not supposed to be there. I think there's sort of a lot, though, that's kind of hovering on the peripheries here. And I think we've, we've, and the UFO community itself has kind of really been enamored with sort of the last couple of days of, of sort of story. I, I think we sort of need to be cautious in, in, in just in, in a few things. One, the news, especially 2017 in general, but I think the most recent sort of uh, news in regarding these videos and, and regarding sort of this Pentagon story and all that is, is one sort of what ideology and what mythology are we sort of creating when it comes to sort of UFOs and, and the UFO sort of narrative that that's sort of existed so far. Like what what is sort of going to adjust and change in the UFO discourse over the next sort of year or so, you know, really we see this huge reinforcement of the extraterrestrial hypothesis. You know, no one's really talked about anything beyond that. This is sort of really boiled down to potentially either secret military program or extraterrestrials in nuts and bolts sort of craft from space. Like, you know, this is really, I think, in the public eye an ET question. Mm -hmm. We can sort of say that it isn't, and we can sort of say all the newspapers are are doing a good job of trying to keep aliens out of it. But at the end of the day, what's really driving these headlines is the term UFO, the term alien, the term extraterrestrial, and and it's sort of mythologizing this story. And it's becoming very much sort of a a key aspect of of ufology in, in 2017 and into 2018. And ultimately, what is also kind of being lost as a result? What what stories are getting pushed to the side because of this one? I would also kind of want to point out sort of the ufological irony in all of this. The government and the military has always kind of, by the UFO community in general, been viewed as someone you can't trust. Mm-hmm. Um, they lie to us. They have secret underground bases. They have made deals with the extraterrestrials for in exchange for abducting people and mutilating cattle and you know stealing our genetic uh, information, you know, the American government studies their technology, whatever, like, you know, you can, you can sort of pile on the various, again, UFO lore that exists out there. And and we've kind of 
a lot of people, especially within the UFO community, have we now have this blind trust towards sort of this archetypical enemy of UFO community, right? <laughs> um, the government has always kind of been the enemy, not always, but has definitely been the eighties since the, has been the enemy rather since the nineteen eighties, especially after sort of the MJ twelve debacle and and the Paul Benowitz affair. The government was very much painted as the enemy here. Um, they're someone you can't trust anyway. And now we're sort of relying on them as a community to provide this information. And a lot of people have bought it sort of hook, line and sinker, just assuming, well, you know, hell, if it's a gun camera video, it must be 100 percent legitimate or mm. at least. And, and, and you know what? I'm not saying it isn't legitimate. I'm not very conspiratorial, but we're um, we're not necessarily looking at why now? Like, why has has this all been released now, why have only 30 seconds of the video been released? Why has this all come to light relatively recently? Is it because Tom DeLonge is this UFO mogul who is able to to push the right buttons? Or are there sort of agendas on top of agendas on top of agendas that are, again, designed similar to sort of MJ-12 in the 1980s and, and the Benowitz situation and everything from the 1980s designed to kind of manipulate the UFO community or to manipulate the message regarding the UFO community to manipulate the narrative for some purpose or purposes. Um, and I think, you know, as, as a subculture, I think we sort of need to definitely look at this as an angle. Because um, to suggest that the government is just now suddenly, hell, you know what, we're just going to be honest with y'all. Right. Um, I think that's ridiculous. Um, and I think that, that if you get fooled by that, you know, shame on you. I, I agree with MJ, but it's funny, you know, we're just so, as a UFO community, we're so jaded and, you know, we're so inclined to question everything and where stuff comes from. So even if it was truthful, we'd be questioning it anyway. Yeah. So in the sense that we're kind of doing the work for them, if, if in terms of disinformation and um, just kind of having that discourse amongst ourselves. So just we're kind of just so inclined to always question everything that comes from them. So even if it is accurate, we're still going to question it. So it just kind of, you know, we're in this situation where we're just kind of screwed in terms of, you know, what do we decipher what we believe and what we don't? Well, I'm not sure if it's it's weird screwed, but I think I think a lot. I, I agree with you, and 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 I think, however, that we've been, we've also been played, right? I think the UFO yeah, community yeah. has definitely been played to be like this. I think a lot of the the mistrust within the UFO community of others within the UFO community is definitely been seeded by sort of various three-letter intelligence agencies purposefully to to cause a little bit of disruption. Again, I'm not very conspiratorial, but. You know, if you're dealing with people who don't necessarily trust trust you as a government or or they don't buy the status quo, you know, you're going to want to sort of maintain some aspect of control over over this group of people who don't comply with the mainstream. Yeah, that's a very good point, man. And I think, again, we always harken back to this idea that even if we don't have control over what might be in our skies, we can control the information given to the public. So why they're giving this to us now we may never know, but I, I think you guys make good points. What else is crazy is, has anyone noticed that Rick Doty has been around a lot lately? You have to wonder why. Well, you know, with any subject, but especially the UFO subject, we always try to caution people to be cautiously skeptical of any information. I mean, you really have to question everything from the sources and the, and the, the meat of that, that content. So, I mean, just... 
I know we're getting quote unquote official um, information here and official sources, but still, you know, you've got to be cautiously skeptical. You need to do your own research. And it comes down to believing what you're going to believe as an individual. But one thing that, you know, really kind of annoys me with a lot of the headlines I've seen with this um, latest news of the the government's UFO program in and out of the UFO community is this statement that, oh, d- disclosure has happened. There's finally the the confirmation that UFOs exist. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing inside the UFO community and outside, just in the general yeah. public. Like, oh, the, the UFOs exist. And, you know, that always makes me scratch my head because I, I do understand and have talked to so many people that not, not even speaking extraterrestrial necessarily, but still a big chunk of the mainstream public doesn't think that there are un- unidentified objects in the sky. They think that, you know, they, they live in this safe, happy bubble and the military has everything under control and knows every speck of whatever is flying in the sky. So they don't need to worry about it. We're all good. But I've seen so much of that today and yesterday about how we now know that UFOs exist. <laughs> yeah, I've talked about this before. I've talked about this before in just the, I think the disclosure movement in general and and sort of the exopolitical movement is a natural sort of extension of ufology, right? I mean, you look at, you know, 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s ufology, it was really sort of investigating UFO reports and, and trying to piece together sort of the science behind it. And, and into the sort of the 80s and especially in the 90s and early 2000s, you have this sort of big push that, you know, really, you know, investigating UFO reports is sort of a dead art and and it's really all about disclosure. Um, and I think disclosure is kind of at the point now where it's sort of run its it's not run its course, but it's definitely kind of at this point now where it's 2017. It's been you know nearly two decades, um, and nothing's happened. And 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 similarly to you know UFO investigating, you know no one's found a conclusion, and and disclosure sort of this natural extension of it. No one's found a conclusion. There's no answer. Um, so I think I think the disclosure movement itself is sort of trying to grasp at straws here. I think they're trying to legitimize their entire maybe philosophy and, and trying to, to, to kind of say, you know, yes, you know, this is, this is happening and this is sort of where we're headed to next. It'll be interesting in, in a decade or so, or, or maybe in 20 years to see sort of where the disclosure movement is, mm-hmm. um, whether it's even still a thing anymore um, and what kind of the next thing will be at least the next sort of extension of ufology, let's say. I'm not saying that sort of investigating sighting reports is over, but it's very much no longer kind of the key big aspect of, of really the UFO discourse, right? It is all about government insiders and, and it's all about kind of speculating on what the aliens are up to versus sort of, you know, people on the field or people rather in the field actually sort of talking to witnesses and, and investigating UFOs. It still happens, obviously, but it's like I said, it's kind of a dying art, I think it actually is. And yeah, it gets looked down a lot on and pushed to the side. And I will say for all you people out there who still believe in the value of looking into and investigating sighting reports, I'm raising my hand right now, friends. (laughs) Send it to me. Send it. Just just like with SETI and all those billionaires spending their money trying to talk to rocks. Like, I think there's value in all of these things. Let's do all the things, guys. Uh, and, and this is, and, 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 you know, you know, Jason, you're getting me all riled up. <laughs> you know, Are, I agree. I he's think, on his I third think, gin. I, 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 it's empty now. Um, you know, 
it's all about the witnesses, right? And this is, I think, where I get a, a little flummoxed with To the Stars Academy and maybe Mr. DeLong and, and all of these other, you know, billionaires who are spending their money on UFOs. You know, okay, you have a few jet fighter pods, which is, you know, great, they're witnesses. But again, you have a whole segment of, of people who have UFO encounters, who have encounters with sort of anomalous beings or, or whatever you want to call them, right? They, they, they engage with the phenomenon in some way. And ultimately, they're getting pushed aside, right? Like, we're pushing aside the regular everyday witness that has made up the bulk of ufology for the, for since the 1940s and, and they're and it's like they no longer matter right their ufo reports their sighting reports the in talking to them and investigating to them is becoming less and less important and what's becoming more important is the discussion of of mr delong or the these these sort of government insiders and, and intelligence officers who have played a role i guess in in investigating ufo threats sort of for the government or whatever um I, I don't know. I, like, am I am I getting? Should I be upset? Like, do I feel? Uh, I think that's. I, I think that's really interesting. It's a really interesting point. At the same time, I think you look at the flip side, saying, "Well, maybe it's about time that you know these people in uh, in high positions are you know answer some of these questions, whether they're being truthful or not. At least that the spotlight's kind of on them now, uh, more so than before. I think maybe that's a positive you, you could get from it. Maybe. Yeah, I guess you know maybe they're they're finally sort of coming forward with their their own personal witnesses you know military witnesses i don't know i'm a little still you know yeah and not only that like what witnesses report is so all over the place you know and and (laughs) and 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 i think it just points to a phenomenon that is all over the place i will say that is one of the interesting things um that was that allegedly took place or was a focus of this pentagon ufo program was the experiencer element where they allegedly did reach out and talk to people who claim to have had encounters to test and experiment and whatever, see if people had been physically affected by proximity to UFOs and other things like that. So the witnesses were, were, were an element to that study. No, I definitely don't have a problem with sort of the Pentagon issue. Like, I don't have an issue with that. It's more so just it's sort of the way maybe UFO discourse is going. Like, you know, the way what we're spending our time talking about. I don't know. People get bored and then you got to move on to the new hot, sexy topic. I, I get it. I see it all over the place and it annoys me because I think a lot of important stuff gets left behind. There is nothing less sexy than 50,000 chicken scratch scribbled pages of notes from witnesses and experiencers. Let me tell you that much. <laughs> and I mean that with all the love and compassion I, I know have. you do, brother. I know you do. I mean, do. you guys know that's what, exactly what my fucking book was about. And, yeah. like, it was not easy. I, I, I can yeah. tell you that right now. Uh, yeah. it, it's not sexy. It, it's not, right. you know, it's not as exciting as people would think. It's at times extremely traumatizing for the witness. It's very uncomfortable and awkward for the interviewer, you know, in terms of like how you handle the information you're you're getting and uh, eventually going to give to the public. Yeah, yeah. I I do wonder, you know, while we're getting all this Pentagon stuff and this intelligence agency stuff, uh, that's what the public is now seeing. I want to hear from those 
I want to hear from the fighter pilots. I want to, you know, like know what they were feeling, what they saw, like did anything else, you know, what happened afterwards. Those are the things that interest me the most. So I, again, I do wonder, MJ, where UFO discourse is going to go in 2018, where it's going to go in terms of what we're getting from To the Stars, uh, from this project. I, I don't know. Uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't, I guess. Hey, it is the phenomenon, right? It's definitely weird and it's definitely going to mess with you. So, And hey, we choose to be here. We, we, yeah. do. we do. We certainly do. There's a reason that the three of you, you know, took the time out of your night uh, to do <laughs> this with me. Um, so I guess in terms of where we're heading, I want to ask each of you, in terms of ufology, who in 2017 do you guys think we can look at and say, you are doing good work and we hope we hear more from you in 2018. Uh, Mike, let's start with you. Um, so this is going to sound like totally like I'm kissing ass, but uh, I'm going to have to say you. Um, and, and here's why. Through your podcast, I think you you have a great platform. I just that, threw up um, in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. Uh, hear me out for a minute. Um, <laughs> I, I, think, I think your podcast is a great platform. And every week you're able to come up with fascinating topics, different uh, different guests, and it's open. It's very inclusive, and you're almost creating kind of new names and new stars in the in the field, I guess, just just through your show and just through the like I said, the very inclusive aspect of it. Yeah, I don't look at it as who's making the biggest headline. I'm looking at it as who's helping to grow the field in the most way, and uh, that's why I say you, Ryan. So I'm so, I'm, so, I'm sorry to be to to be kissing butt, but. Yes. That was really but, sweet, Mike. There's actually. a reason I, I brought got you got a little on. happy tear in my eye right now. <laughs> uh, I knew it. I'm, I knew I'm it. expecting that uh, the $20 uh, to hit my PayPal exactly. account. <laughs> <laughs> you can reach out to my Patreon subscribers for that <laughs> at <laughs> patreon.com backslash somewhere. Scott. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All joking aside, but like I said, I think you do, you do a tremendous work. And, you know, I remember when I first read your book, it just, I remember reading it and at this very prime, primal journalistic take on it for someone with with no you know prior like professional experience, yeah. I thought it was absolutely the kind of nail the essence of kind of what you know what you should do when investigating. So ever since I read your book, I was a fan, and like I said, I think what you've done with the podcast has been great, and hopefully it continues to grow. Well, thank you so much, man. I, I won't say anything else. Jason, let's move to you, my man. Well, now I have to say you too. No, but... you don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! Uh, this is not. This know, is not a circle You know, I love episode. you, Brian, and I'm a fan, but I can't give you the award every year. So, <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking about this, and I hadn't given it much thought through the year, but you know, when I think about somebody in in the field of UFOs and UFO research who's made a contribution, who's done something, who's done some ac- actual research and done something that, you know, benefits us as researchers and, uh, you know, helps in an educational light. You know, I'm a big fan of education and I think giving people information that they can cite to and use is really important. And somebody who jumps out at me is our friend Cheryl Costa. You know, this year put out the UFO sightings desk reference a nice book with lots of numbers and information um, that got a lot of uh, media play. 
big headlines and she's still being contacted uh, pretty regularly to do interviews with media about UFOs and, and UFO sighting stories. So I, I think Cheryl, um, you know, she's a journalist. She does a really good job with her regular column she does. And so I've been a fan of hers for many years. She's a friend. And I think because of her work, tireless work on compiling that UFO sightings desk reference, uh, she gets my vote. That's awesome, man. And I do have to mention this uh, before we go any further in terms of Cheryl. Uh, this is insane. If you think about how far the UFO community stretches in terms of geography alone, Cheryl writes for the Syracuse New Times. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, I am from Syracuse, New York. When I went home to visit my family uh, this past summer, there was a signed version of Cheryl's book on the front porch of my parents' home. <laughs> and I, I show up and I'm like, what the hell is this? And my mom was like, oh, yeah. That woman showed up with your book with her book. She wanted you to have it. I found out Cheryl lives two blocks from my parents. Oh, that's crazy. Isn't that insane? I mean, yeah. come on. You, you can't even plan that stuff. But I would have to agree, Jason. I mean, this book, the work and dedication that Cheryl and her spouse put into this book is unbelievable. They yeah. deserve all the praise they can get. And I, I think yeah. that's a wonderful, wonderful choice for sure. Uh, all right, MJ, what do you got for us? As much as I love Cheryl, I'm going to have to kick this old school. I'm, uh, I don't know if people know, but I'm writing a book on the UFO subculture. And uh, I've been talking a lot to a subculture within the subculture, uh, all the historians and archivists, archivists who uh, sort of log everything ufologically related. Um, and one guy who I have to give a massive shout out to and I, who gets my vote is Paul Dean out of Australia. Awesome. Um, who runs the UFOs documenting the evidence blog. This guy is an FOI master, F-O-I-A master, rather. And uh, historically, he is a powerhouse in the UFO world. This guy knows everything. And he can cite military, I don't even know what they're called. He can cite like military reference numbers for various mm. UFO events and whatever. He runs a, a genius blog. The guy does so much research he pours his heart and soul into his work. And unfortunately, because his work is just sort of history and archiving UFO information, he doesn't get a lot of press, doesn't get a lot of attention mm -hmm. compared to some of the other guys uh, and uh, gals out there. So my vote goes to Paul Dean, um, who this year sort of blew the doors off of the famous Westall uh, case out of yeah. Australia from, 1990, <laughs> from 1966, rather, um, and basically found a witness who was there and, and said it was a whole bunch of nonsense. And um, one teacher who just kind of went uh, off the rails with a bunch of the students and, and just kind of started telling stories, and it became a massive UFO event. And according to his source, n nothing really happened. So... Um, you know, an interesting take on an old case, but Paul Dean uh, definitely gets my vote this year. That's awesome, man. These are so good, guys. I don't know how I can even contribute to this. I I've been thinking about this for the past hour or so, trying to come up with someone, and it, it was tough, but I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Miss Erica Lukes on this one. Uh, I know we've all spoken a lot to Erica. Um, I did want to have her on tonight. I apologize that I wasn't able to make that happen, but the field we know is wrought with... It's a boys club. Always has been, always mm -hmm. will be. And any female researchers out there are scrutinized 10 times more than we ever will experience. Mm -hmm. uh, the work that Erica has done throughout the years uh, just astounds me, amazes me. What she's done, who she's made contact with. I know she just was with Erling Strang not too long ago out there in, is it Norway? Erling Strand with the Hazeltine Lights? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, this she's going out of her way to go and investigate anomalous things in our skies, no matter what the hell it is. And and I think she gets a lot of flack for a lot of stuff um, that she brings forward. But she is she's strong. She's due diligent and she does the work. And not many people can say that when they're sitting on their fat asses behind their computers. So I highly respect the work that she is doing. I can't wait to see what she comes up with. And uh, yeah, that's what I got. Excellent. Do we want to do the 2017 people who should shut up for 2018? <laughs> I'm so happy you reminded me. I, I have that on a separate page here on my notes. Yes. So we talked about the people that we want to hear more from in 2018. If you have anyone, guys, that you want to hear less from in 2018, now is the time to voice your concerns. What do you got for me, MJ? All right, so this particular character within the UFO world has been spouting off about evil cabals who are cutting his brake lines, and uh, he recently published a book this year full of pseudoscience and uh, a bunch of strange esoteric nonsense that makes no sense. So my vote for this year and into 2018 of the person in the UFO community who needs to shut up the most is David Wilcock. Take him off the air, please. That is me clapping. Love it, love it. All right, uh, Mike, what do you got? Ah, uh, yeah, th- this is a tough one. Um, I don't think anyone said necessarily shut up. I would like to see more than hear more. So, you know, if, if we're, we're going to go back to, to Tom Belange, I just want to him to, uh, you know, just put his money where his mouth is and continue to provide some of the stuff he's promised rather tweet, you know, tweeting like a butthurt child, you know, <laughs> um, like, he's, you know, let, let the let the video speak for themselves. So, yeah, love it, Jason. Yeah, I'm too nice to say anything. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I completely understand. MJ, well, I- my, 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 my fiesta water hasn't gotten me riled up like MJ. <laughs> so I. Uh, it's really? Okay, hold on. Does, do you need to get riled up over David Wilcock as my choice? Come on. You don't need to no, get riled up. No, no, I've, I've never, a, never been a fan. That's just a natural progression of <laughs> logic and feeling. Like, you know, come yeah. on. Guys, you know what I completely forgot and we didn't talk about? Uh, The person I'm going to choose to shut up in 2017 and should have shut up for the past decade or so is Mr. Jaime Musan. Oh, well done. Yeah, I, I I totally forgot about the the mummy thing this past year. Not not the Roswell mummy, the other mummy, no, the yeah. other mummy, the Peruvian, or was it per- Ecuador, or where was this thing from? Who Peru, gives a right? shit? It yeah, was it was Peru. Peru. Yeah. It's for yeah. A fake. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. So there we go, guys. We got the good ones. We got the bad. And with that, you've got the facts of life. So that is our late 2017 heavy wrap up of Somewhere in the Skies. Before we go, gentlemen, where can we find all the work you're doing? Jason, let's start with you. Simple place to go, RoguePlanet.tv. You can also follow my spouting at, on Twitter at Acentric. That's A-C-E-C-E-N-T-R-I-C. And if you're one of those wonderful people who still values UFO sightings, you can email me too at Jason at RoguePlanet.tv. Mr. DeMonte, what do you got? www.punkrockandufos.com. Uh, that is my cryptozoology and culture site. And uh, on Twitter, at Mike DeMonte. And MJ? Uh, you can find me at my blog, which is www.terraobscura.net. Uh, I also contribute to Mysterious Universe, so you can find me there. And uh, you can follow me on all the social media at MJ Benias. Love it. I look forward to your book, my friend. And guys, uh, thank you. 
Again, sure. I cannot thank you for coming on, taking the time to do this today. I think we only scratched the surface of what is to come in this year. I'm hopeful, and I look forward to whatever comes next, both in ufology and in all of your lives. So again, have a great holiday, happy new year, and thank you again for joining me. Thanks very much. All right, that is it for this week's episode. Again, you can find MJ Benias's work at terraobscura.net, Jason McClellan at rogueplanet.tv, and Mike DeMonte at punkrockandufos.com. Oh, and before I forget, just a warning that next week we will be taking a break to celebrate the holidays. But fear not, we will be back the following week with an all-new episode, and I'm sure some updates on Tom DeLonge's never-ending battle with ufology, both in the best and worst of ways. Thank you so much for an incredible year of support, whether it was interacting on Facebook, Twitter, or by just sharing the show. Thank you also to my Patreon subscribers. I have big plans for some incredible rewards coming in 2018. So why not end the year right and head on over to the Patreon campaign to learn more and to help support the show. That's patreon.com backslash somewhere skies we are on twitter at somewhere skies instagram at somewhere skies pod and all past episodes articles and contact info can be found on the website somewhere in the skies.com have a very happy holiday season everybody and i will see you here in two weeks remember keep your feet on the ground but never stop searching somewhere in the skies Jeremy, one of the hosts of Sick Boy Podcast, a weekly podcast where we speak with people living with chronic, terminal, mental, and physical illness. But here's the catch. It's a comedy podcast. Our goal, help people understand that sometimes the best way to deal with the challenges of life is simply to laugh. Tune in on Apple Podcasts and be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And hey, while you're at it, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. From the Antica Podcast Network, Sick Boy Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm.